All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to uh, Daniel chapter number 7. Daniel chapter number 7, and we'll pick up where we left off last time. I kind of keep a finger there and a finger in the book of Revelation because we'll be comparing the two texts, uh, uh, these two prophecies, and and, uh, it's only through the comparison, I think, that we get the full uh, lesson on what God's trying to teach us here. If you remember last week, we had looked at Daniel's vision of the four beasts, and and uh, we learned that the traditional interpretation of those four beasts in Daniel chapter number seven uh, are is the same as Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter number two of Daniel, and the dream that Daniel interpreted. And if you remember in the traditional interpretation or the dream, if, if, you, if you agree with the traditional interpretation that it's the same as the dream, well then that would mean that the lion with the eagle's wing is Babylon, uh, the bear is the Mede-Persian Empire, the leopard is Greece, and the dragon with the ten horns uh, represents the kingdom of the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation. So, uh, that's the traditional interpretation. If you looked at a lot of, I mean, if you looked at 100 commentaries, probably eight of them would have that interpretation. Now, as I said last week, I don't agree with that interpretation, and I don't think anybody can be dogmatic about their interpretation here. And, and I gave you a couple of reasons why I don't agree with it. Number one, uh, these kingdoms uh, are the kingdoms that are in power when these four, when the four winds in heaven are blown and there's this storm on earth. And I don't, I don't I, when I look at Nebuchadnezzar's vision, it's a, it's a vision of empires that have power over the centuries, over, over history. And, and I think the scene is different when you come to Daniel chapter 7. I think these powers are the powers that are there when chaos erupts on the earth, when there's this great storm on the earth, and I think that great storm is the great tribulation. Now, uh, if you believe that, and, and well, let me tell you the other reason that I don't believe that it's Nebuchadnezzar, the, same, the vision is the same in chapter 7 as it is in chapter 2, and the empires are the same, because in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, there were five kingdoms, and in Daniel's dream, there are only four kingdoms. And I, I think if they were the same, then they would line up the same and there would be five kingdoms uh, in both visions. But in Daniel's visions, there are only, there's only four kingdoms. And, and uh, they both, uh, I think both of them, whether you're, regardless of how you interpret it, both of them, the fifth kingdom and the fourth kingdom of Daniel 7, the fifth kingdom of chapter 2 and the fourth kingdom of chapter 7 is the kingdom of the Antichrist. All right, now, if you believe that it's a vision of the kingdoms that are on earth during the Great Tribulation or during the end, and if you think that we're living in the very end, then you should be able to figure out who these kingdoms are. I mean, if we're in the last days, and Daniel 7 is a prophecy about the last days, which I believe it is, then we should be able to identify these kingdoms, and I think we can. 
Now, we, again, I don't think we can dogmatically identify them, but, but uh, I have my hunch that, uh, about who they are, and I said that last week. Uh, the line with the eagle's wing. Well, the line is always referred to, or since Great Britain's been around, it, it, it's symbolized by the line. And, and we know what the United States is symbol, symbolized by. It's symbolized by the eagle. And so you have this line with eagle's wings, and suddenly the wings are plucked away, and the line has to stand on its own two feet. Now, that would certainly be the case if we had if the United States were to lose a major war or the United States were to have a, a major economic collapse, then England would be standing on their own. This coalition that you see over in the Middle East right now, it, it wouldn't exist. And so uh, that fits, very well could fit into an end time scenario. The second beast is, is the bear. And I have no doubt about who that beast is if we're dealing with in times, that's Russia. There's, uh, Russia has always been, for centuries, for, for uh, l many centuries, Russia has been referred to as the bear. And this bear has three ribs in his mouth, referred to the fact that the bear has devoured three nations, and, and certainly Russia has done that uh, on several occasions. So and right now there's three nations I can name in particular that have been devoured in recent times by the Russians. And so, I mean, I think Russia fits almost perfectly with, with, uh, with that vision. Now, I don't know if you've been, if you're watching the news today, what's going on today, but Russia has, and, and by the way, this, if you look at the vision in Daniel chapter 7, this, this, this uh, beast like a bear devours much flesh or is capable of devouring much flesh. And you look at what's going on right now in the news. Like I said, if you're watching the news today, uh, Russia told the United States to not fly their airplanes in Syria, not over Syrian airspace. Russia has sent like 200 of their best fighter jets over to, to Syria to fight ISIS's air force. I don't think ISIS has an air force. Now, they certainly, you might can understand them sending their bombers over there. Their bombers over there, too. But they've sent like 200 of their best fighter jets to patrol that airspace against any other outside countries that send their jets through Syrian airspace. That's a really dangerous situation. Uh, they're either going to try to keep Israel out of there or they're going to try to keep the United States out of there. They've... The, the Iranians fired two missiles into Israel last week, and Israel said, we're going to have none of that. And so they struck, uh, they, they were fired in the Golan Heights, and so they struck back and fired a major missile, that just, not just a Scud missile. I'm talking about a major bomb missile. They took out an entire compound, killed another Iranian general. A lot of this you don't see on the news. But uh, they... They, they said, we're not going to have Iranian soldiers or Russian soldiers on our border. Boy, we're going to do whatever it takes. And they sent them a real loud signal that we're not going to allow that. Uh, China has just landed an aircraft carrier on the coast of Syria. Uh, and uh, uh, a, a missile, a, a boat that uh, shoots missiles, uh, air, air defense missiles. So they're getting involved in it. So it's a really, man, it's really, it's almost like reading 
revelation. I mean, the situation that could that be the very, the, the very end? I don't know. I mean, maybe not. Uh, probably not. But we're certainly uh, in a real precarious situation. And then you had the leopard in the vision. You, you, the, four, the third beast was the leopard with four heads and four wings. And, and the fact the wings aren't given a name like eagle's wings tells me that these nations are insignificant nations, but the four nations together become a powerful nation or a powerful force. That, uh, and, when, and when you think of a leopard, and especially a leopard with th- wings, and you think of a beast that moves very rapidly across land. And so that very well could be uh, some form of ISIS or some form of uh, uh, is- Islamic coalition. I mean, you can't really be sure about the leopard. Uh, but uh, it's certainly, you know, one of those coalitions would certainly fit that beast. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this week also in the news that uh, the, the Taliban, who is, is lined up with ISIS, came in and took a major city in Afghanistan. And uh, as soon as those U.S. troops are out of there, I guarantee you the country's going to fall to the Taliban. You can just about bank on that. And the Taliban is lined up with ISIS. And you can almost understand why uh, the Afghan people would embrace the Taliban uh, after the United States is gone. I was reading another story last week about a, uh, an army captain and a sergeant who came into a police, policeman's uh, office in one of the back rooms. He had a young boy that he had captured and had him tied up and he had had him there for months and was raping him every day on a daily basis. And, and, and that captain and that sergeant saw that, and the sergeant grabbed the guy, the police chief, he was the police chief, grabbed him and body slammed him, and then picked him up and body slammed him again until he threw him all the way out of the police, police station. Well, guess who got in trouble? Not the police captain or the, the police officer, but the, but the sergeant and the captain. They're the ones that got in trouble. Actually, the captain was out of the service has gotten out of the service, so he's really not impacted by it, but they're kicking the sergeant out of the service, and, and that's where it ended up on the news. But you can, I mean, just, just the evil of those kind of things, I mean, it's just, just unbelievable. And then the fourth beast in Daniel's dream seems to come out of this chaos that results from maybe a war between these other three beasts. And so... And, and really the Bible reads that way in several areas where you have this coalition that comes against Israel, you have this great war it seems, and then out of that chaos and that war, then uh, the, there's this coalition of nations, this one world order, which just about encompasses every nation, and from that one world order, which that's the beast with ten horns and the little horn is the Antichrist, uh, out of that chaos you, you have the the uh, rise of the, the one world order in the kingdom of the Antichrist. So for me, Daniel chapter 7 uh, fits well with end times. Now, is, uh, can I be dogmatic that the United States is part of Daniel chapter 7 or England's part of Daniel chapter 7 or Russia's part of Daniel chapter 7? No, I can't be dogmatic about that. That's my hunch. And that's kind of the way I see it right now. But Again, there are a lot of expositors that would disagree with that interpretation. But let me tell you where we don't disagree. We don't disagree with how the story ends. 
We know how the story ends. How does the story end? God wins. That's how the story ends. And that's where we're heading tonight. We're heading to the really, really good news. And that's, that's uh, where you take your focus off the terrible things on this earth. And you put your focus on heaven. And you'll see just how worried God is about all of these things. I mean, pick, pick up with me in, in uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse number 9. He says, I watched till the thrones were put in place. And his, his, his eyes were taken off the beast, off the Antichrist, uh, off this coalition of ten nations. And, and he, 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 he changes scenes, and it's up in heaven. And he says, I watched till the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was pacing up and down, wondering what in the world he was going to do. Now, what was he doing? He was seated. He was seated. That tells me there's a reason we're told that, when, that God is seated. God's seated because he's in total control of everything that's happening on earth, and he's not worried about it one bit. All of the beasts, whoever you, you interpret them to be, are all puppets of the Ancient of Days. They're puppets of the Lord, and they're doing his bidding. They're setting up the return of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. So whenever I read the news like I or see the news like I saw today, I get excited about it. I mean, I don't want to see people die. I don't want to see wars. I don't, uh, and 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 I don't want to see an economic collapse or anything. But when when those things come, then I know that to look up because my redemption draweth nigh. And so here's the Lord, and He's seated. And his garment was white as snow, and his hair was, his hair, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fairy flame, and, and it, its wheels burning fire. You know, you can see that picture of those wheels burning fire in several places in the Old Testament, like Ezekiel, when the Lord leaves the temple. You see that, those wheels of fire. Uh, you, you see that in, in, in a lot of the prophecies. But here you have God, the Ancient of Days, and you read that description. Does it sound familiar to you at all? That, dis- that description of, uh, of the Ancient of Days sounds exactly like uh, Revelation. I mean, it sounds exactly like uh, what we get over in chapter number, uh, I believe. Well, first, go, jump with me to, let's stay in 7. Jump with me to verse 13 and 14 because I want you to see something else before we, before we do go to Revelation. He said, I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the Son of Man coming with clouds of heaven and he came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. And then in verse number 14, then to him was given to the, to the Son was given dominion and glory and, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. He's given all dominion, all his kingdoms, and his kingdoms the one which shall not is the one which shall not be destroyed, which shall not pass away in his kingdom, the one which shall never be destroyed. Now, the wording, if you were to look at this in the Hebrew, is pretty tricky. But I, and, and when you put these characters in their place, it's pretty tricky. Because you almost you get the same picture in Revelation, but it's almost as if you have different characters. 
It's all, in Revelation, you have the Lamb of God and you have the Ancient of Days. And here you have just the Ancient of Days. And then you have the Son of Man coming to the Ancient of Days. And so it gets pretty tricky. But I, I believe what Daniel saw there is the Father and the Son as one. He saw them as one. He saw them separate and he saw them as one. So that, because that's the only way it could be, because who has all dominion? God has all dominion. It's very clear in the Bible that God will not share his dominion or his glory, his power with anyone. But yet it's all given to the son. Well, how can he give it to his son and stay true to his word? God cannot lie. The only way that he can do that is if the father and son are one. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said in the Gospel of John? The Father and I are one. I and the Father are one. All right, so, you know, for me, it's really, it, it's fun to me and it's exciting to me to compare these prophecies. So, so let's do it. Uh, go with me over to the book of Revelation. Pick up in chapter number one. Hang on to Daniel there and we'll flip back and forth, so keep your place there. But go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter number one. I remember when I was in seminary, I had a professor who made a statement one day. He said, there are no direct quotations from the Old Testament in the book of Revelation, not one. There is not one single, if you were to take the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, there is not one single quotation from the Old Testament. Now there are some people tell you there's like 350 quotations from the Old Testament. Now that bothered me a lot at the time because I perceived that as an attack on the Bible and, and I really believe that's where that, that on the integrity of the Bible and I believe, really believe that's where that professor was coming from. But over time after studying Revelation, and you study it in the Hebrew, you study it in the Greek, I've come to the conclusion that that professor was absolutely right. That there are no direct quotations in Revelation from the book of Daniel or any other Old Testament prophets for that matter. Boy, they sure look awful similar, but they aren't exactly the same. And if he was quoting the Bible, I mean, if you go into the, the Gospels and to the Epistles, when there's a quotation from the Old Testament, it is exactly the same. But it's not in Revelation. Why? Let me tell you why. And this is the good news, or the, I, I think, the revealing news. The fact that when John wrote the book of Revelation, he didn't write the book based upon what he had read in the Old Testament, even though he was, I think, well read in the Old Testament, he wrote down what he actually saw. It's a big difference there. I mean, if all he did was put together this book from, from a bunch of prophecies and gather those prophecies together, it would be suspect. But he didn't do that. He wrote down what he saw the way he saw it, and the way he saw it was very similar to, way, to the way the Old Testament prophets saw it. And so these prophecies are very similar, even though they aren't exact quotations. 
And, and I agree with that. And I think that doesn't affect the integrity of the Bible at all. I think it actually adds to the integrity of the prophecy of Revelation, the fact that he was writing down what he saw in his vision. And it's very similar to, at least the part we're going to look at right now, is very similar to what Daniel saw. Pick up in Revelation chapter 1. And look, let's begin down in verse number 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha. You notice in your Bible that's in red letters. So that tells you who's speaking there. Jesus is speaking. And there were some uh, translations, uh, more liberal translations that took that out of red. Because they didn't want to indicate that that was Jesus speaking there. And they, some of them caught some flack. They put it back to red. And some of them, they still have it. If, if I pick up a translation that doesn't have that in red, I'm going to... I'm going to ditch that translation right away because they're, they're making an interpretation that that's not Jesus. And actually, by putting it in red, you're making that interpretation too, that it is Jesus, but that's the right interpretation. Verse number 11, saying, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Now that's why you can put it in red because you're going to see that this is the Lord. He said, in having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Now who is that? That's Jesus. That's, so we know that's who he's, who he's seeing and so that's why this is in red letters. He said, clothed in the garment down to his feet and girded about with a golden band. Now, look at this next part right here because it's exactly the same or almost exactly the same as what Daniel sees in his vision that he describes as the Ancient of Days. He describes this as the Ancient of Days and Daniel describes this as Jesus Christ. Why can, how can they, how can they be different here? They're not different because the Father and the Son are one. Daniel was seeing, I mean, Daniel was seeing and and hearing uh, things in heaven, and he was, he was seeing the Son of Man in the Ancient of Days. But they're the same. John was seeing the same thing. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right there in heaven. All right, now, he said his head, was, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars in his mouth went and in, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like that, like, like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Now that's an amazing statement right there. Because this is Jesus that John is seeing. And John had walked and talked with Jesus. He had seen the resurrected Jesus. He had seen Jesus ascend to heaven. And I don't, you know, I, he, this was Jesus that he, that the one that he lay in his bosom. Uh, he was the disciple that Jesus loved. He liked to refer to himself as that in the Gospel of John. And now he sees Jesus glorified and he falls on his face as dead. I mean, why? Why did he fall on his face as dead? Because he was seeing the ancient of days. 
He was seeing God the Father in the body of the Son. He was seeing, he was seeing uh, the Alpha, the Omega. That's what first and last means, the beginning, the end. That means the Ancient of Days. And he was seeing him and he was afraid. Look what Jesus does now. He laid his right, he, he laid his right hand on me. And you know, I believe that's a nail-scarred hand he laid on him. He laid his right hand on me saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. I am him who lives and was dead. And I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys to Hades and of death. See, it's the same. The ancient of days and the Son of God are the same. Now, Go to back to Daniel 7, and let's go to the next verse, verse number 10. Keep your place in Revelation. Daniel 7 and verse number 10. And he says, A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, from the, from the ancient of days. A thousand thousands ministered to him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. Now, in John's vision, you've got the same scene. Go with me back to Revelation. Keep your place in Daniel. Go back to Revelation chapter 5. And in John's, in John's vision in Revelation, you see the same scene at the throne of God. But this time... God, instead of being referred to as the Ancient of Days, is referred to as the Lamb of God. And who's the Lamb of God? Who takes away the sin of the world? Jesus Christ. So look at Revelation chapter 5 and look down at verse number 6. He says, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a Lamb. Now who's that Lamb? Jesus Christ. As though he had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And then he came and took the scroll out of the right of him who sat on the throne, the Ancient of Days. Now when I had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Listen to what they sang. You are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us unto God your, uh, God your blood out of every tribe and nation. Your blood out of every tribe. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of, out of every nation, tribe, and tongue, and, and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, that's the same thing. That Daniel says in verse number 27. Go back to 7. When we jump ahead to next one of a verse we'll look at next week. He says in Daniel chapter 7 verse 27. He says. Then the kingdom and dominion. And the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven. Shall be given to the people. The saints of the most high. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And all dominion, uh, dominion shall serve and obey him. All right now. Now, we'll go back to Revelation chapter 5. I know this is getting tedious and complicated, but hang with me here. Then I looked and heard a voice 
of many waters around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000. See that number? 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice. Now, who are they worshiping here? They're not worshiping the Ancient of Days per se. They're worshiping who? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then in verse number 13, he says, he says, and every creature which is under the heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all of them, I heard saying, uh, blessings and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and the Lamb and to the Lamb forever and ever. Glory. So they're singing glory to Jehovah God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then the four living creatures said amen, and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him. Now who are they worshiping? Who are they falling down and worshiping? Him, not them. They're worshiping the Lamb who lives forever and ever, the Alpha, the Omega, the Almighty. So see, the Ancient of the Days that Daniel sees is the same as the Lamb that John sees sitting on the throne of God. All right, now, we're in heaven and we see this great scene and God is seated on his throne. However you want to look at it as the Lamb, you want to look at it as the Ancient of Days, as the power of God at the right hand of the Lamb, however you want to look at this. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in heaven and they are seated. And God has done his work on the cross. Jesus has died for us for our sins. And he's made the way for us to be in heaven. And there are saints in heaven during this time. 10,000 times 10,000 thousands of thousands are ministering to the Lord. And now we go back to earth. And we go back in Daniel chapter 7. We go back to earth and we go back to these four beasts. And if you were rehearsing a vision that you had about four beasts who had dominion over the earth. You would think, and then you go up to heaven, then you think when you came back to the scene on earth that there would be this long narrative about what happens to the beast. And about, I mean, you actually kind of get that in the book of Revelation, but you don't get it in the book of Daniel. Look at what happens. He just says in verse number 11, man, he just totally changes tune here. Uh, and he goes back to the time of the tribulation and the time of the Antichrist. And he says, and I watched then because the sound of pompous words which the horn was speaking. Now that's the Antichrist. Now here's where you would expect this prolonged battle to take place between the Lamb and the Antichrist. But there's, there's not much of a battle. But look what it says there. But look, I mean, he says, I watched till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Just that simple and it's over. When Jesus Christ returns to this earth, the Antichrist is toast. Those beasts, whatever beasts exist on this earth at that time, they're toast. There's no battle. There's a battle of Armageddon where the nations are coming against Israel, but as soon as the Lord lands on this earth, that battle is over. I mean, if he created this earth by his word, if he created the universe by his word, then he can destroy it by his word. He certainly can destroy the Antichrist and his armies by his word. And so uh, he destroys the Antichrist or defeats the armies of the Antichrist and defeats the Antichrist and he and his followers are cast into hell. That's exactly what you get over in Revelation too, by the way. Then verse number 12, as for the rest of the beast, 
those other four beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Now, he might be referring to the fact that the Antichrist took them away. He might be referred to that it was, the Lord took them away during when they had that battle before the Antichrist and the, the, the uh, before the Antichrist and the, the, uh, the one world order came into power. That might be what he's referring to. Or it might be the fact that they were part of this coalition in the end and it's taken away with the rest of the nations when Jesus Christ, Christ returned. But when he returns, all dominions are taken away. All powers are taken away from the secular nations. And they're given to the Lord. And the Lord gives them to his saints. He says, as for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, and yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a season. So, so the beast, the nations survive. I think that's what he's saying there. When Christ returns, he doesn't wipe out all the nations. In fact, if he doesn't return, all the nations would be wiped out. But when he returns, he takes away their dominion and the nations survive. There will be unsaved people on this earth during the millennium. So who rules and reigns with Jesus Christ? The church does. And it rules these nations. But there will be nations to rule. There will be nations on, on the entire earth to rule. Uh, for a season and a time, and I think there he's for a season and a time he's speaking of the millennium. Now, whenever you study prophecy, and here's the lesson I want you to see as we wrap this up, we'll be done here in just a minute. Where should our main focus be? Should it be on the four beasts or the the ten beasts? the kingdom of the Antichrist or the little horn or the false prophet or America or England or Russia or any of those nations. No, where should our focus be? And Just like Daniel took his eyes off of what was going on on the earth and, and, and put his eyes upon heaven, that's where our focus should be. I mean, when times are difficult, when, when we see these things transpiring before our very eyes, then that's why the Bible says, look up. I mean, your redemption, your redemption draweth nigh. I mean, where should our focus be? Our focus should be on the Ancient of Days and on the Lord. I mean, and I see him two ways. I see the Ancient of Days as, as the everlasting God, God our Father. I see him as capable of defeating any of our enemies. But we've got to have the Lamb. If he's not the lamb, then, then, hey, we're just like the rest of the nations. So my focus is not just on the power of God and, 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 and God having the ability and power to defeat uh, evil nations. My focus is on Jesus Christ and the power of the cross and the power of the blood and what he's done for me. And I'll tell you what, that goes for any situation, tough situation. We might not be in the Great Tribulation. We might not be heading to the Great Tribulation for a long time. But that goes for any difficult situation you're in. Take your focus off the nations. Take your focus off the, your enemies. Take your focus off this world and put it on the Lord. He has the power to, to fix your situation. Also put it on the Lamb. I mean, if, if, if Christ died for us, then who can be against us? I mean, that's, that, if, if that's true, and we all know it's true, then we don't have to worry about anything. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for...
We just thank you for your word and just thank you for uh, just the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, I know as we, we study prophecy and we watch the news and we see what looks like fulfillment of prophecy right before our very eyes, there's this temptation, Lord, to, to, to focus on, on what's going on in the world and take our focus off of you. Father, you're sitting on your throne even now. The Lamb is on the throne even now. That tells me, Lord, that, that all my sins have been paid for. I've been perfected forever in Jesus Christ. And no matter what goes on this earth, Lord, one day I'm going to be with you in heaven. And I can rest in that. And whatever situation I'm in, I can put my focus on you and I can run the race that you've set before me by the, by the grace of God, by your grace, Lord. We just thank you for, for all you've done for us through Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.